Welcome. This is the Woodbury Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We're glad that you tuned in, and if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out all the information at woodburychurch.org. Or we'll see you some Sunday, Sundays at 10 a.m. Looking forward to it. Good morning. Uh, I get to introduce Phil and Rebecca. Phil's going to be speaking to us, but I'm introducing Rebecca at the same time. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of things that you may... We've been supporting them for almost four years as a congregation. I'll just let you know a little bit. Phil, uh, he's got a lot of experience. He got a degree at Harding. He went on to get a law degree at the University of Arkansas. uh, And so he... I've read that you're able to practice law in the state of Arkansas. I don't know that they would need any of that, but or your help, but but all you behaving. are, huh? All behaving. They're all behaving good. Uh, his his experience and Rebecca's experience. Rebecca's got a degree and she's got a master's degree, so you get to know them. What's important to me, Tina and I got to visit them a year and a half ago. What's important to me is that they uh, spent about ten years in Romania. If you were in Bible class. You got to hear some great stories, and you got to hear some of their heart for people. But they were, they, they were missionaries in Romania for about 10 years. And then after that, uh, they were both involved in Missions Resource Network, uh, which Phil was the director of European Missions and the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Rim Initiative for 17 years. He worked with other missionaries and this missions organization for 17 years after 10 years of being on the field in Europe. God has called them to be in in Greece and other places in Europe right now, stationed in Athens. Uh, And they've got all of this experience from firsthand information. They've got all this experience of working with other missionaries. And now God has called them to do a little bit something different in Athens these last four years. And what I would say for both of them uh, really has nothing to do with that experience other than They are people who want to glorify God, want to honor Him. And the best thing I can say about them is that they want to depend on God rather than all this experience and knowledge. They want to depend on God and tap into His power for changing people's hearts. And that's what Phil's going to share with us this morning. So, Phil, come on up. Yeah, you're going to put the. Okay. All right, change your mic. Good morning. I have so many things to bring up here. It was nice to have the stand. And my, I just got my glasses changed. I got new progression. So it's not that I'm agreeing with what I'm saying. I'm trying to find you somewhere in my range. Um, getting old is hard. It's hard work, so be nice to your parents. And uh, the eyesight is, is kind of the first indicator that... Yeah, you're kind of falling apart, Phil. Uh, I, was, I was sitting there during that lovely introduction by Presley, and, um, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, um, I need to assure these people that everybody from Arkansas doesn't behave like that. <laughs> and, um, I, and, and then I thought, well, you know, earlier this week I went to a family reunion in southern Arkansas with the Jackson clan, and then I realized, yeah, that's about how everybody acts in, in Arkansas. And, and I think it's because we're pretty much related somehow. That tree is pretty, the root system is, uh, doesn't really spread out that much. 
and, uh, but some of us have an opportunity to kind of break loose and, and visit other places, and, and that has been the joy of Rebecca and, and my life. Uh, we love our home. We love our family. And what we have realized through the grace of Jesus Christ is my family is enormous. It is like Dale said, it's all over. And we share something in common so beautiful as a communion. Um, it is truly a blessing. And I, I just want to continue in that thought, Dale, that as we share and continue in a communion together, this is not a missionary report. If you want to know more about details of our mission, just talk to me. I'll give you my phone number. We can sit and talk. We'll, we can get into the details of some of that stuff. But I think with the, I'm getting various advice on how much time I have. I mean, with Steve, he says, as long as you want. And then the guy in the back is giving me numbers. And, and so, I, you know, I'm, 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 trying, I'm, I'm trying to have enough self-awareness to, to allow this communion, at least that I'm participating or per, a part of and facilitating here, uh, to be a reasonable amount of time. But there are a couple of things I really want to share with you. And it's important. I don't think some things are so important to us that they're kind of important for all of us. That's not everything. That's certainly not the Cowboys or the Vikings, but it's, it's certain things that are so important to me that it's important to us. And that's why we share this with our family, friends, and of course our church. Um, we have been involved in missions for a while. I think that's kind of an odd thing to say. It, it sounds like an industry. Uh, that's not how we view it. It's been a journey of life. Uh, Rebecca and I both kind of started life with an expectation that we would have regular jobs. We'd be part of regular life, regular family, regular community. And even that word regular is kind of odd. I think the older we get, we, we, we kind of want to redefine that as well. But as we walked this journey, we did feel a pull. And it was from the Lord and people. And then once we start meeting people, your, your journey to become a, a Congress representative's assistant or an attorney, these things kind of fade into a much more meaningful journey with God. And when you're walking with God, what tends to happen is you start walking with people. There are no monks in, in this, in this, uh, on this path. We are a community and a very broad community. We're not isolated. We're connected. And that's what we want to share with you as we see our community getting more populated with people even more different than I would have expected. And I think that's unfortunate that I would have that, un that uh, not have that expectation. But what we're finding is that Jesus is really interested, concerned, in love with people that I may not, first of all, may not know, but I may not care much for and have had a pretty predetermined feel or uh, opinion of, impression of. And so um, we are on this journey and we are so grateful to have this moment this weekend to share a bit about that. And um, the scripture that was offered earlier will kind of segue us into some of the the, the reflections that we're that we would like to share with you. Um, Logan shared the scripture of Jesus's prayer in the garden. Um, 
that prayer where he knows it's, he's completed this walk with man, uh, this being that being equal with God did not hold equality with God, something to, to grasp or hold on to, but let it go, and entered into an attentive moment with his creation, with man, with, with people, with humanity. And if, if we don't understand anything else about Jesus, let's understand this. He's not a literary character in a book only. He is an attentive moment in life, sharing the path with us. And our God is so concerned and in love, like any father is, good father at least, that he would be attentive to his child. And that he uh, was uh, manifesting the nature, the love, the word of the Father. And in that scripture in, in, in John 17, in that prayer, I have revealed myself, I have revealed you, Father, to these that you have chosen and given me. So now what is our response to that? What is it that we must do to another person that Jesus himself is not already dedicated to do? And I feel like this is something that we're learning. I've always carried the responsibility, as Rebecca said in our class today, that it was my burden to reveal and to manifest God to another person. And so I worked myself silly, crazy, burned out, working, trying to get God in front of another person through my activity. And I think I'm seeing some smiles and I, I assume this is a journey that you may have been on and you're kind of realizing this is something that you, you may not want to participate in anymore. You're going to let Jesus do what he was sent to do. To reveal, to manifest God to those whom God had chosen. And so our... Um, Journey has included not just this revelation, but also, okay, now what is our role? If my role isn't to do that, which is literally impossible, spiritually impossible, then what is my role? Well, it's something quite possible. First, letting. And maybe follow that up with, let's be supportive. And how do I know to be supportive with a person, especially a person, a friend, a family member, unless I'm listening? I know I've got all the answers. I am that smart. But I need to choose when to express that intelligence. And a good first step is to, to let Jesus do the revelation, the manifestation of who God is. And then let me do that which I can do probably best, which is listen, ask questions. Find out where they are with God. And what we're finding is that God, that Jesus, the Spirit, is doing much more in my community among people than I have ever realized. And I think this is the, the, the experience of our recent experience in Greece that this is teaching, this is what we're learning. Um, I was having coffee with a friend. I shared a story got to go to Bible class. The better stories are in Bible class. <laughs> I'm following up from what we, uh, we shared in Bible class with a, a brother named Ali, a guy that we had met uh, through some other friends. 
And as the, our friendship, my friendship with him in particular, Ali is an Iraqi, about 43 years old. Um, long story, but he needs to be on this journey. He couldn't stay where, where he was. Um, but he was complaining to me at this coffee shop this day that, yeah, I'm just not making any progress. I can't get my, my immigration lawyer to, to communicate with me. I, I, you know, it's just, it's like I'm hitting a brick wall all the time. And I can't get any answers. I can't, I, I can't make any progress. I'm stuck here. I'm out of money. I, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, I said, well, thanks for sharing that. You're not expecting me to do anything, right? I don't have any authority to give you a passport. I don't have any insight or connections into the government to help you in any way. I don't, you know, your lawyer's as good as any of the other lawyers. I don't know what you want from me. And he just says, well, I just don't know what to do. And I kind of dawned on me, why don't we talk to the person who does have some authority in this? We'll talk to the one who has authority over authorities. Now, he's either king of heaven and earth or not. It's at least a Christian should make the decision whether he's going to believe it or not and lean into it. And so I took a chance, something I have rarely done before. I asked Jesus, show up, because there's space here I can't fill. And so I said, Ali, let's pray. I don't know what else to do, but let's pray. And he was not a believer yet, but he was kind enough to me to kind of go along with it. And it's starting to rain, and I just put it out there. Jesus, provide. You either hear us or you don't. And it's in your interest, provide him a path forward. At least allow him to hear from his lawyer or from the immigration office. He needs something other than nothing, which is what he's getting right now. I never prayed a prayer much like that. I don't have the words for it. I just, it comes out, however. Now, I exaggerate. Arkansans do exaggerate. That Presley is pretty, pretty good representation of that. But I'm not exaggerating right now. I can't afford to because I need you to step into this space with me. We pray our prayer. Amen. And it was to the count of six, his cell phone rings. And he picks it up, you know, hello, and he speaks in English to his Greek attorney. And the Greek attorney has set up an appointment with the immigration office on Tuesday. This was Friday, it's the next Tuesday. Which means that this appointment had been, you know, in the works for a few days and was coming to the moment where he could actually show up to the office. And you should have seen the look on Ali's face. He was, it was almost disbelief and shock. He couldn't get the words out. And he looked at me and he says, it's my lawyer. And I said, well, dude, talk to him. And I'll go get us a pastry or something. And he talked to his lawyer and got it all, his appointment all set up. And we came back together and started visiting. And he, put, he was in total shock. And I said, what do you think? And he said, Jesus heard me. And from that moment, he has walked with the Lord. From that moment, he has dedicated his life to a person, a king, 
a presence, one who is attentive in that little coffee table in the rain in Athens, in the poor section of Athens moment. The king of heaven and earth with all authority of heaven and earth who exercises his wisdom and privilege and power as he sees fit within his kingdom provided an appointment for this Iraqi man at a Greek immigration office. And that is so cemented into Ali's brain and heart. He has not let it go. And this has been years. This has been three years ago. He has moved around. And recently he told me, he says, you know, he's in the U. He's in another country. And he said, Phil, I'm, everything has changed. I know and I want this... Uh, Asylum, I'm, I'm going to do all I can for it. But if I stay, I stay with Jesus. And if I get deported back to Iraq, which would put his life in danger, I'm going to die with Jesus. It is a determination in his mind that is amazing to me. And he's had some pretty low moments. And I've been able to talk to him as a friend, not as his minister, pastor, counselor, missionary friend, whatever, but as his friend. And I've said... You have got to hang in there. I'm depending on your, your faith. I need your faith. I need our friendship in faith. We have moved way beyond whatever we had before as some kind of Christian, non-Christian teaching, relationship, mentoring, whatever. We have moved into a space where Jesus is Lord. And there's been multiple times in his life and on this journey with the Lord where he has surrendered in such a way to allow Jesus himself to, to show up and he is I'll just because I have unlimited time I'll share this little uh, parenthetical story but uh, he said uh, he you know, has become a follower he has been baptized and, and uh, he was so excited one day he called me he says you know Phil my brother back in Iraq uh, he also believes. And he was stating this as fact. You know, he's been talking to him. I didn't know. But he has already, you know, shared his faith and convinced his brother that there is, there is the one king. And so his brother now believes. And his brother, uh, his wife had just had a baby, a son. And so this is Ali's nephew. And so Ali calls him. He calls him. He says, get the boy in front of me. They're on a uh, WhatsApp Chat, uh, video chat. Get that boy before me. And he says, I claim you in the name of Jesus. And he said, put some water on him. I'll baptize him now. I'll teach him later. But right now, I want you to know we're claiming this child for Jesus. Now, I know there's some theological issues we're probably all going to have to work through with him. And in time, we'll get there. But this is your brother who went from absolute Dirt zero, who had, had no interest. And I have never in my life seen someone go from dirt zero to I will die for his name. Wow. This is a new experience for me. So who's teaching who here? Who's leading on this path? When we leave home, when we leave that which we've kind of already settled in, 
We tend to meet other family members that have a lot to offer us. Um, we were, we walk a lot in Greece, and to be quite honest, you know, we, we expect Jesus to bring people to us. We haven't started a church. We haven't started a ministry. We, have, we partner and participate and volunteer with different groups because that's a good way to meet people. But the simple fact is we, we just assume Jesus is already working enough. Our job is to find people with whom he's working. We don't need to generate interest. We're assuming Jesus' interest is, is kind of landing on people anywhere. We're meeting people left and right. But one place as we walk is the mountain behind the largest point in Athens is not the Acropolis. There's another mountain called Lycovetos, and it actually looks down on the Acropolis. And there's no temple there. There's no pagan temple there. Uh, it's really kind of a simple place, and it's higher than the Acropolis. And we like the imagery of that. We look down on ruins of a pagan temple on the mountain that our Lord God has created. This is our temple of the followers of Christ. And we see that, that that mountain is the church of Christ, where the people of the Lord come and pray over a city, which you can see 360 all around there. But unfortunately, as you make your way through the little trails up there, there are homeless people. They use that for shelter, and there's a lot of homeless people in Athens. Well, one day I was walking with some friends and in this little utility shelter kind of made of concrete I saw some feet hanging out. Obviously a homeless person had found shelter in this little utility, we'll call it a shed, but it was made of concrete. And I don't know, I, I, you know, you have to be careful <laughs> sometimes with people when you just walk up to, to, to homeless people or someone that you're not really familiar with, but I don't know, I just, I had a, a compulsion to go up to him, kind of knocked on the shed and said, uh, excuse me, I don't mean to disturb you. You need anything. And this about 32, 33-year-old man kind of scooted out, homeless, obviously, you could tell, was in pretty rough shape, spoke perfect English. And in our conversation found that he'd actually gone to an international school in Thessaloniki. He's Greek. Perfect English, so that we could communicate. And so I, I said, well, uh, don't mean to disturb you, but I walk this. You're, on my, you're in my path. You're in my way. And I just wanted to ask you, do you need anything? Because I'm praying to the Father. And I'm seeing you, and I'm praying for you. What can I be praying for? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And he had a story. A story that included a disconnection with his father back in Thessaloniki that caused him to leave home and a series of events that had brought him to a moment where he had nowhere else to go. And he couldn't call home. He was too shamed. That was too broken. Do we understand this? But I'm telling you, there was, he hit the point where there was no more safety net. There was only street. And so we pray. And we pray as the days, the weeks, every once in a while I'd bring him shoes or I'd help him a little bit, but, you know, he needs everything. 
But I felt like what he needs more than a lot of another sandwich is probably a follower of Jesus Christ. Someone who knows that there's someone to talk to. Who knows who's listening. And he was not a believer of any sort. But we started talking. And I told the class uh, this earlier that my habit is, is I tend to pick up rocks along the way. I just, um, maybe um, I've got some condition, Dale, it's, it's meant emotional or psychological, but I need something in my hands, and, and I collect these rocks, and pretty soon, as time goes by, there are mounds of rocks in different parts of Licavetos Hill and my apartment. Rebecca, the cabinets are about to fall down. I've put so many rocks on the cabinets. I just can't throw them away. But I start putting rocks on that utility shelter. And I've explained to him what the rocks are, and he would protect them. Every time I would show up, those rocks would be arranged, and, and, uh, and that was where our prayers. Um, I begged him, and I begged Father. He's got to call his dad back in Thessaloniki. That relationship has to be repaired. He's got family. Father, you've already provided something that he could access if there was an apology, if there was forgiveness, if there was open hands and open heart. Father, you've got to do something that no human can do for restoration of a human being that we walk over. I'm sick of this. <coughs> he calls me up. This is months. Phil, I'm back in... Thessaloniki, I got a job at the utility company. I'm back home. God's provided. We can walk by people. We can ignore the moment. We can continue at the same cubicle next to another, somebody else. We can be on the same school bus. We can, do, we can do what we're doing. Or we can start inviting people into a conversation with their father. And we can start praying in such a way that we're positioned to where we're seeing what's around us. We can start reading scripture in such a way that we're listening to what Jesus is talking, telling us. I'm not trying to boast at all. I'm, I'm a poor kid from Arkansas, but I've, I've realized something, that if I'm going to follow someone, if I'm going to be dedicated to something, if I'm going to base my life decisions on something, I better know the person I'm following. I don't need to take your advice on who Jesus is. I need to, I need to know him myself. I need to get in a, a rhythm and a commitment to hear him. And I listen to a gospel every week, start to finish. I'll start Sunday, and by Saturday, I better hurry up and be done with John or Luke or whoever I'm listening to. But I am listening to the gospel relentlessly. And I think the interesting thing is, if Jesus was here, we would follow him all day long and gather every word he said. And you know we can. We're people of the church. Don't we believe in the Bible? Well, there's a lot there that I, you don't know until you've heard it and heard it and heard it. And what I'm finding is that my prayer and my petitioning to God and the relationships I'm, make, I'm making is demanding that I listen to Jesus 
in the Scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have offered us an amazing gift. And brothers and sisters, I'm begging you. Listen. The Bible app is the best thing on my iPhone has ever produced. And I listen to it. I get where I anticipate the next story. And I'm catching a rhythm of Jesus' life. I can anticipate how he's seeing a situation. Remember that situation where this blind guy was there and, you know, people have been seeing this guy for a long time. And he heals him. Or the question first was, who sinned? His parents or this guy? And Jesus says what? Neither. It's so that the works of God may be revealed in him. Later in the story, the religious establishment is trying to get an answer. Who is this guy that healed you? And the blind man now who can see says, how do you not know, religious people? No one can heal a blind person unless they are from God. He's testifying to the religious establishment who the one sent from God is. The works of God will be revealed in him. I went to that family reunion. One of my cousins is blind. Man, what a precious person. She was describing me her apartment. She says, I have a chair, I have a table, I have a bed, I have a microwave oven. I'm assuming she has a refrigerator, but she didn't mention it. And I pray. And when you're near her, she's got this blind look and you sense the power in her. I found myself gravitating toward her. And every time we were together, we end up praying. It was physically a merging of spirit. It was incredible. What happens, what prayer is doing, can do to us, with us, and always in community. We mentioned this morning two things that we are learning. And I've got 25 minutes left, <laughs> according to Steve. I promise I won't do that to you. Um, when we talk about prayer, we, we're talking about listening and expectancy. And when you listen and you're expectant, by the very nature of those terms, the assumption is there's someone else doing something. There's someone else speaking, and there's someone else acting. And this is our understanding of prayer. And we have grown up in, in different traditions or different cultures religiously, and we have looked at prayer as more of a work and an action and a duty and a discipline that we do. And as long as we're doing it, things get done. Sorry, that's just... That's not the reality I'm living in. It's not the reality in your own home. Your children don't have to ask for supper. They don't have to ask for new socks. <laughs> When's that ever happened? You provide. And they 
No, there is someone who is speaking and acting in the home to make the home worth living in. And this is true in God's kingdom. Um, let me finish with this. I want to make an invitation. Um, I want to bless you, but I want to give you maybe a suggestion. An invitation may be too strong. I don't know you well enough, and I'd rather know you and be far more bold. I, I know Thomas better. I'll, I'll lean into him more forcefully. And maybe I should just talk to Thomas, and you can eavesdrop, and maybe that gets the point across. But the praise team needs to show up at some point. I know I'm supposed to give them a cue to get up here so we can transition into the next moment. But here is my suggestion, Thomas, because I believe in our friendship and the friendship that's developing. I want to invite you into a prayer bond. Rebecca and I decided we're doing some things that needs a term to it. And it needs to be a term that requires a little bit of an explanation. It requires people to say, what do you mean by that? That's what we want. Because if we just say prayer, you've, you've pretty much got that wired already. And, and you're probably going to move into an, an, uh, an understanding of that and a participation in something that I'm not necessarily talking about. And we need to have an agreement. A prayer bond is an agreement. Uh, it's an agreement uh, among people who are aware that the kingdom of God is already working. Um, a prayer bond is a relationship that's dependent on the awareness of each other's family, their needs, their concerns, their joys. Don't assume it. You're going to have to ask about it. Relationships that are established in consistent prayer. All right, let me stop here briefly. This little book, I mean, the, the, this place started to burn down. I'd probably grab Rebecca and I'd grab this notebook. And Thomas. <laughs> um, but what we've done, Rebecca and I, because we trust each other and we love each other, um, and we're partners in this, but we've brainstormed. I got a little whiteboard, and we just said, who do we know? Let's, we're not talking about work and missions and target people groups and all that kind of, Who do we know? Who do we love? Who's in our lives? And we start writing names. Some people we know intimately well. Other people we want to know better. And maybe, but some people don't even know that you know, we're that concerned about them, but we want that to be elevated. You know how many names we came up with? 120. 120. We've written down every one of them. I've got them in this booklet. Now, I touch base with all 120 within a month, but some people I'm connecting with almost every other day, Ali almost every day, but I found that I have friendships that are European, that are American, that are refugees, of course, a couple of them here at Woodbury, that I need to be the brother that they need me to be, and I need to be the one with them who's listening and who's expectant. And what I'm finding through these relationships is that the people I don't know so well are becoming more, uh, becoming better acquainted and more attached to. And those are growing into far more frequent 
interactions, possibilities, even ministry opportunities. And they're sharing, they've done, and they're part of something, a prayer bond that they can invite someone else into. These are relationships that facilitate healing and equipping, mentoring, modeling, and they're empowered by the Spirit. These relationships are mutually supportive. You may start off as a mentor-mentee or someone that's a bit more mature, but what prayer tends to do is recognizing that other person, we kind of fall at our knees and, and we're falling in and dovetailing into the one, now Jesus, the other one who is speaking and who is acting. Thomas, Get a sheet of paper out and start brainstorming. Don't go crazy, but who, with whom could you invite into this? Doesn't have to be a big group. One other person, two other, doesn't matter. What works? What will be sustainable to you? What, who do you see? And allow the one who speaks and the one who acts be part of that and transform that into something even more. And what we're finding in our relationships is that it's spreading. I can't tell you how many people are part of groups, how many are part of prayer, how many people are experiencing healing because the people that we have been encountering, they're taking it to other levels that we know nothing about. I don't care. But the Lord Jesus Christ, I think, is showing up in ways that's not, that's changing my idea of metrics and mission. And my idea of metrics and mission really hammers down on my own faithfulness and obedience. If I can't pray for my brother, David, what good am I to anyone else? We share a mom and dad. And so don't automatically exclude people you think are okay. I'm telling you, they need this. They need someone who can be part of a listening posture and an expectant waiting on the revelation moment so that they can share that joy and know that someone listens. May the Lord Jesus Christ look upon you. May the Lord Jesus Christ breathe upon you. May you know his presence. May you be assured you're not alone. You are seen. You're dearly loved. So loved that he would require nothing of you but to sit still long enough for him to come to you. Allow him. And may you listen to your Lord. It's right on your phone. If you don't have the Bible app, shame on you. Get it. Thomas will teach you how. <laughs> Listen to that narrative. It's a beautiful, beautiful story of the greatest person ever to walk this earth. Listen to him. Become so familiar with it that when you hear the pain, when you hear the concern, when you see someone, you know what Jesus would say. And you're going to beat Jesus to it. You're going to be ready. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. It is a privilege to live in this life. And it is a privilege to live by faith love and not just sight love.
The angels are jealous. They see the Lord in his glory. Sight love. And they envy us because we believe what they believe. We know what they know out of faith. And there'll be one day when angels will come to you and they'll say, I'm so, so impressed. You live by faith. We, we consider that the greatest privilege of all creation, to live by faith love. May we lead this community, this metroplex, into something they crave. And may we not make one assumption that someone's not interested. They are interested. I'm telling you. But you've got to listen. And you've got to be patient and be expectant. May we all be that way. God bless you in the name of Jesus.